The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Whether you're a pistachio purist who loves the experience of cracking them open or you love the convenience of no-shell pistachios like myself, Wonderful Pistachios is the perfect healthy snack for when hunger strikes. And there are a bunch of tasty flavors to choose from too, like honey roasted, smoky barbecue, jalapeno lime, and more. Wonderful Pistachios is one of the highest protein nuts. Each one ounce serving has six grams of protein, giving you over 10% of your daily value. Visit wonderfulpistachios.com to learn more. I am Matthew Parlay is killing it this year. These are guaranteed wins. I'm going to take Arizona over San Fran. Whoa. Daniel Jones over Patrick Mahomes at home? Welcome back, students, to the week 14 I am Athlete Parlay. I'm telling you guys week after week that a parlay is when you take multiple bets and you put it into one. You have to channel your inner football IQ to get this done at a high level. Downward facing dog, child pose, the way of the peaceful warrior. It's not a pose, but it's a great book. Trying to teach you guys the essence of yoga and the essence of how yoga can help you pick the right bets. Week 14, I am athlete parlay. Here are the three games. We're gonna start with Big Ben going to Minnesota. The Pittsburgh Steelers in Minnesota playing against Kirk Cousins. Breathe, breath, breath, everyone. There you go, great, great, great. Big Ben's not gonna get it done, Jade. Kirk Cousins having an MVP year. That's a great bet for you, okay? All right, Mitch, we're gonna head down to Chicago and Green Bay. Chicago and Green Bay, last dance. Aaron Rodgers, do you wanna bet against Aaron Rodgers in the last dance? Have you watched football this year? Let's go with Green Bay, Aaron Rodgers and to round and, and, and to close out the I Am Athlete Parlay, we're going to go with Baltimore and Cleveland. Baker Mayfield, Lamar Jackson. Baker Mayfield, Lamar Jackson. Let's go with Lamar Jackson and the Baltimore Ravens. They get it done. Namaste. Namaste. <laughs> <laughs> DraftKings.com is the sports book. I Am Athlete is the platform. Parlay, I am athlete all day. Promo code athlete, let's get it. Your first owner we had on, I am NASCAR. Is ownership just about being rich? That, that's what it seems like. You get a lot of money, you well, can be you, an owner. You know they say, to make a small fortune in racing, you gotta start with a big one. You don't get rich owning race teams. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> but to that point, is that what it is? You, you get rich, you like racing, and now you just... Uh, everybody's got a... Every, money into it? I mean, everybody's got a different story. Everybody's got a different want and a different desire, different reason for doing it. I grew up dreaming about winning a Daytona 500, winning NASCAR Cup Series races, being a champion, and that dream is as strong today as it was the day I drove a race car for the first time. But there was a moment in my life where I realized that I had to change the path a little bit. That I was better on the business side of this sport than I was behind the wheel. So I got out of the race car and got in on the business side, but still chasing that same dream.
I had some amazing moments in my career where I can go back, you know, even Little League football. It's like, man, it was just me, myself, right, in the mirror. That's it. So when you talked about understanding that you had to get out of the race car to accomplish your goals, can you go back to that moment? Do you remember? It's a mirror moment. It was a mirror (laughs) moment? for sure. You know, it, it got to the point where I was working so hard to find ways to get in the race car through business I was doing, through sponsorship, raising sponsorship for the race cars and doing all this work. And I started racing against these kids that were fast, fearless kids. I mean, it's like once you start racing against people, you start calling kids. That's, <laughs> right. the, first, that's the first thing, right? So I realized I was getting a little older. Now I was working so hard on the business side of it just to put myself in the seat. I just had that moment right, where it's like, what, do you, what do you, are you going to do this forever? Right. You're going you're gonna to grind this out year after year just so you can be a race car driver? Because you're 35, like, Roger Penske isn't going to call you tomorrow <laughs> to drive one of his cup cars. And I just said, okay, time to pivot. And, and that's, it's funny, that's, that's something that I asked uh, Rowdy. Yeah. I asked Rowdy about it. I was like, are you, you know, are you going to age out? Do you age out or do you mature out of a car? Do you mentally mature out of a car or you just can't? Yeah, you say you call them kids, or you just can't race against those fearless kids anymore. Well, he's different, because Rowdy is one of those guys that never had to worry about anything besides just driving a race car, because mm. he's so good. You know why? And he delivered every time. Richie Rich syndrome is what I call that. It's when your parents race, they have money. Mm. Your uncles race, they mm. have money. Then you come up as the grandchild, or the cousin, or the nephew of the, the ones with money. The car is in your living room, mm. <laughs> ready yeah, for you. Room. Your crew yeah. chiefs are, are already set. Yeah. And then you show up to the track, the tire is already prepped. You're yeah. just whooping butt and you're winning in everything yeah. you're in. But when I heard you talking about how you had to do a lot of stuff on your own, Justin, you weren't, no, you weren't a slouch as a driver either. Yeah. You, you had an edge, you had personality with everything you did. And, you know, I really feel like that matters too, you know, well, when you're you. coming up yeah. as a, yeah. a young driver. But you had to... You had to work for everything you got. That's what you mean by that? Well, I mean, for sure. I I think for a guy like Kyle Busch, for a guy like Kyle Larson, for some of these guys, they have every time they've gotten in a race car, they've delivered. Win. Win (laughs) a ton, right? And win all the time. And when you do that, you just, you always have an opportunity. Somebody's always going to put you in the race car, right? If If you just deliver and get the job done. As far as aging out or maturing out, I mean... The, to me, the only the only retired race car driver is one that they won't let him in the racetrack anymore because he's too old. I'm retired, but I still race about four or five times a year. Don't I mean, you? just because it's right, like, right, I, it's right, just, right, it's right, hard yeah. to just yeah. You know what? Because yeah. you're the the, the, the the road course ringer king. Ringer, ringer, like, yeah, they yeah. say you used to jump on he the did. road courses yeah. and embarrass and people now. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's... it's uh, you know, when you're, so, you know, we talk about athletes and the thing about, the thing about race car drivers is that I believe that our, that this is a sport and I believe that our drivers are athletes, but it's a different kind of athlete. It's not, we're not using fast twitch muscle fibers. It's not that kind of thing, but we're using our bodies and our minds in a competitive environment to win something, win something. Right. But in our sport, our, our bodies can stay strong in a race car for a long time. You know, see that Kevin Harvick won nine races last year and he's 44, 45 years old. Um, you can do this, you know, for a long time. And Kyle will. Yeah. Kyle Bush will, Rowdy will race. Well, his, his answer to me time. when I asked him about aging out was, I'm never going to suck. 
Yeah. That's how he responded. Because <laughs> yeah. I was yeah. like, you're going to get to a point yeah. where you just know you can't do it. Yeah. Oh, I'm never going to suck. Are you surprised by yeah. this? As we all know, Ralph. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's, a, that's, a, that's a glimpse into his confidence and his swagger, for sure. And right. that makes a difference on the racetrack. But he will be slower at 70 than he is now. Yeah. I promise you that. Right. <laughs> so, so, I mean, we're, we're talking about driving. We're talking about ownership. That's how we started the show. You getting outside of the car to chase your dreams. You want to win Daytona 500. Uh, but you also acquired Chip Ganassi's NASCAR portfolio, pretty much, <laughs> right, and infrastructure operation. Um, that's a lot of risk because mm -hmm. what I'm learning is it's not a great business for some being an owner. Why are you taking on all that risk right now? Well, because I think that you can think about this. There's not one way to do this business. There's a lot of ways to do this business. Right. And so there are people that have gotten burned and people that have had a bad experience and, and then classified their experience as the business. Mm. That's not my business, right? My business is being strategic and recognizing opportunities, managing and mitigating risk, and, and you know, making uh, educated decisions and accepting the risk for it. So, you know, for Chip's deal, I'll just run you through that real quick. I mean, before that acquisition, Trackhouse is a small boutique race team. That's right. We were partnered with RCR and, and we, we helped share overhead and costs with them, but we didn't have a shop. We didn't own race cars. We didn't own tools. We didn't, we were, a lot of the guys working on the team were contracted through RCR. So really Trackhouse was like 10 people without a building. That's right. really how we raced this year. So to secure our future in the sport, you know, the, the, the goal was to find a way to own one of these charters. It's a way to, to get into the sport, have some longevity, have an asset that's worth something. There was, a, with all these charters, there was just a game happening at the back. And, and there were these narratives being planted in places, right, to just try to drive the cost of these things up. Right. When the addressable market was really, really small, there wasn't enough buyers out there to have the market dictate what one costs. It's just what, it's just deal by deal. You find the guy that's willing to pay what you want, and that's the deal. And... You know, everybody was focused on these, these couple of charters, and I took a step back and said, there, there's something else here on the board that nobody's seeing. There's another deal to be done in this sport that no one's paying attention to. And I looked up the order, and I looked at the owners, and I just thought to myself, there's an owner in this sport that's ready to walk away. And he may not be, it may be hard to find it, but as I started thinking about that, I started just thinking about Chip and thinking about Chip, and I have a relationship with Chip, and I raced for Chip, and I won mm -hmm. for Chip. And I've got a lot of people in that building that I consider my friends and people that I respect. And I saw the writing on the wall a little bit that this is a guy that is ready to put a period on the end of the sentence of his NASCAR career. Right. And I thought, how do I pick up the phone and call Chip Ganassi and have this conversation? I didn't even start that conversation. Right, right. right? I thought about it for two weeks. And then I dropped my girls off at school and pulled out of the carpool lane and I was driving home and I was just, it's like, there's only one thing to do. You just pick up the phone and make the call. That's it. That's all you do. Pick up the phone and make the call. So I said, look, I have to, I have to think about the future of this business. I have to think about doing something significant that secures the long-term viability of this business and gives us a real opportunity to grow and, and do something big in this sport. And I want to just start out of respect to you and ask you if there's 1% chance that you would entertain a conversation about a possible transaction around your business, um, then I'll get on a plane, I'll fly to Pittsburgh, and we'll sit in your office and talk about it. And he started talking about 
you know, when a man gets to my age, you start thinking about the future and you start thinking, do I want to go to the racetrack? I got all, he's got all these, he's got all these racing teams. Do I want to go to the racetrack every week? And he started talking and he started talking about 60 seconds. I said, I'm going to do this deal. <laughs> so I was like, I'm going to do this. I was right. thinking to myself, I, I'm going to do this deal. Is that before you knew Pitbull and you partnered with him too? No, this, no, no. This was after. This was, this, after. Um, this was really like this spring. Okay. So I was wow. on a plane to Pittsburgh the next day, sitting wow. in his office the next day. Wow. And he was ready and I was ready and it was great. So that moment right there when you did that with the phone and you said, I'm going to do this deal, right? I see the passion. I see the hunger. I see the desire. Sport is business. Business is sport. Which one fulfills you more? Because as an athlete, right? <laughs> like, think about that yeah. football player. You know, you, I mean, you still drive. We don't have the opportunity to go out there, but we still watch on Sunday. Yeah. We still love that. We still talk about the good old days, right? And now in business, you know, it, it gives you that rush. It gives you, you know, every a lot of things that football gave you. But for you, what fuels you more? Besides my wife and my two kids, I love racing more than anything in the world. Mm. I just love it. I watch it every day on television and on the internet. And, I've, and I've, I've worked really hard over the last couple of years to try to, and continuing to, and I have a long ways to go, but to try to really understand this business and what it takes to be successful, learning from people that have been successful, but also thinking open-minded and disruptive and how can I do things different? How can I create something different um, to create a lot of value and opportunity for the future? I've worked hard at all that. But all that work has been guided by just, a, just I'm the same kid that played with Hot Wheels on my grandparents' carpet when I was five years old watching right. Winston Cup races on TNN. I'm the same person. Right. I love it. I love it. And every day I wake up wanting to do something great today because right. I just, I'm guided by that passion. What's more difficult? Because well, you said you got out of racing because you wanted to win the big ones. And yeah. you, in your mind, you had to be in the ownership side, the business yeah. side to yeah. do that. Yeah. Is it more, because you've succeeded as an owner over... A racer. Is it harder to be a racer or harder to do what you're doing now? Don't say that, I mean, he was a good racer. Oh, you going to call him out? He was a great racer. But he didn't win the big one until ownership. And he had had a little chip, and he liked to look good, feel good, play good. (laughs) Oh, that's who he was? He paid good. That's how he was. Right. His teams looked good. They they paid. I mean, the rumors, you know, people talk around track. They paid well. When they showed up to the track, the pit boxes were new. Right. Back in the day when, when he was teamed up with H. Scott for about three years, that they ran a show. So a lot of drivers, a lot of team owners were former drivers, but not a lot of owners were good drivers. I mean, uh, yeah. you know, uh, and they, could, yeah. when they, they drove as a high, they had money, they drove. And yeah, I'm on a team, but, you know, Justin, from what I remember, you know, I, when I was pitting cars, you know, you were a pretty chippy, talented driver, just one break away from a top tier team. I, I wanted it. I mean, I wanted it badly, and I worked hard for it. I didn't have that extra little it to get over the hump and not have to go find my own sponsorship yeah. and all that stuff to where, like, my phone was ringing and I had op- opportunities. I never got to that point. What is that it? I mean, because now you're sitting in that Man. seat as an owner and you got to go far now. You got to go, go far. Go That's find right. It. That's right. exactly right. Thank you. Because I've asked myself that question the last year. I mean, I've transitioned. I've spent my whole career thinking about my talent, what I have to do to be successful. Now I have to shift my mindset. And, and what, did I, what did I not have that I got to go find right. now to elevate Trackhouse and to take Trackhouse to the next level? And the short answer is, I don't know. That's but you fair. know it when you see it. Ooh. 
But I can't, I can't tell you these are the three things, these are the five things. I mean, we can, right? We can talk about it, right? We can talk about rate of adaptation. We can talk, yeah, I mean, you know, media savvy, you know, adapting to certain scenarios, courage, right? Knowledge of the race car. We can talk about, right? Those are, those are the things. I mean, in any sport, Sound like you just named sport, Danny Suarez. <laughs> well, that's what it sounds like. <laughs> Right. Well, it's hard to say exactly what it is. Yeah, and, and you, <laughs> what I look for is I look for guys when they get the opportunity, they make something of it. And they don't say, well, hold on, give me some more time, or they think of an excuse, or they think right. like, man, I just, I have to get used to this car. Like, we don't want the excuses. We, we don't have time to wait on anybody. Right, right. Right? So, um, Ross, who was driving, you know, driving these cars that were not the fastest cars in the Xfinity series, kind of like a 15th place team that he was just through grit and determination was sort of finishing like 12th with every weekend, got an opportunity to do three races at Chip Ganassi Racing. First time and only time at that point in his career that he got to sit and race winning equipment. He did three races. First race, led all the laps, crashed for the lead with Kevin Harvick. Yep. Second race, won yep. both stages, led all the laps, won the race. Third race, started off crappy, figured out how to get his car, 10 more laps, would have won that race. Wow. Bam, delivered right away. That's what you look for. Right. You don't look for a guy that's going to run 10th in the first race, 8th in the second, 7th right. in the third, and be like, I'm getting it, just give me some more races. Right, right. We don't have time. We talked earlier before the show, it was just you and I sitting down, and you were like, Justin... It's like this new age owner. And mm -hmm. what you told me was, you know, about development. He has this infinity for developing drivers. Mm -hmm. And he sees it. He gets it. It's, it's funny that you can't articulate it. <laughs> but there's a lot of people around NASCAR that know that you got it. And you see talent, right? Yep. Like you know, you it talked about you see it. Right, you know right. it when you see it. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. Most of the time, you know it when you see it. There's risk involved. There's risk and faith in, in it. I mean, you, you find someone, you go, I think, I think he's the one. And you just, you have to believe, right. right? And you have to commit and you have to believe. I'm always somebody that, when you look at, like, who do I want to drive for track house? And you look at these guys, like, is, is Ryan Blaney in a contract year? Is Kyle Busch or Kurt Busch in a contract year? Can I get one of these guys, you know? I go, who's racing on Saturdays that's, <laughs> that's ready to break through? Right. Like, I'm ready to find that next guy. Right. Because when you look back through history, the greats, like, the, of the last 30 years, the guys that have really... Most of the guys that have really done something big for their teams came in that way. Jeff Gordon, Hendricks, I think that guy can do it. Yeah. Put him in the 24. Jimmy Johnson. Jimmy Johnson won one race in his whole career. <laughs> Wasn't on anybody's radar. Rick Hendrick goes, Jeff Gordon goes, I'm, I think right. he can do it. Put him in the car seven right. championships later. Right. You know? So Daniel, when we were, you know, the, I still believe to this day, and I always will believe that you can put money in tooling, you can put money in engineering, you can put money in all these places, but at the end of the day, it just comes down to one guy. So, I got a guy for you. Oh, you do ya? I got a guy for you, because I, I feel like I have that oomph that you have, it's really gut. That's <laughs> what we're talking about, yeah. you have gut. Yeah. So, I am athlete NASCAR, okay? One of the things that we want to get into doing consistently is going to GoPro Motorplex. Which right. you own. Mm -hmm. Okay. And so <laughs> one we went, of many. <laughs> so we went out there and there was just one driver. We had Haley Deegan out there, you know. Um, I'm excited about this. Right. Where this is going. There were so many other people that came out and there was just one guy that just stood out. There were so many people on the track that day. It was just one driver. He led the way, all laps, right? Two races, right? Didn't even have anybody touch his bumper. You remember that day? <sighs> he got out in front and was gone. He was gone. He was gone. I don't know if he braked. I don't know if he braked once. That's impressive. Channing Crowder. Channing Crowder. So, 
Oh, man. I'm to a contract right now. <laughs> I'm, 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 but ready? can I just buy an option on you for a year? <laughs> but, 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 <laughs> we'll see but, how you but, develop. What, what can you do with them? What can you do with them? Seriously. Uh, I'm too big. I'm 250 pounds. I'm 6'3", well, 250 pounds. In, I'm too in, big. In those go-karts, it's, it's, I mean, the thing is, it's like <laughs> when you have Haley out there who weighs about 100 pounds, yeah, yeah. It, it's hard to overcome that difference. That weight it's difference. hard. I mean, we could put 150 pounds of lead on her cart so you guys are exactly the same, then we'll see. That's what then it we'll is. Then we'll see. When right. all, all things being equal. Right, right. I was ready. But, but can you take a guy like this and, and throw him in a, in a developmental program and, and get him to where you need him to be? You know, start them out, you know, no, maybe. You know, Joe Gibbs done reached out to me, you know, yeah. Childress, you know. I, oh, I, I, I got a fight I'm, for I'm you I'm a free agent now, now but you're really, not. You're too old. Well, he's about to sign you to a contract. I got a fight for you. Justin just said, oh, see you on. Justin looking at him at infants. So you're ideal, you're ideal owner. So, okay, Chan, yes. you're ideal owner. Who would, who would you want to drive for? Actually, and not just because he's here, Justin. Right. Why? Because, because he's young. And he's progressive, and he's, he, he's, he's thinking about what's right. in the future. And let me yeah. know if, if I'm wrong. Like, and I was going to ask this question, too, about, like, there's these old teams. There's these old, you know, guys that were very successful yeah, back in the day. Absolutely. And you seem like you're more progressive. So yeah. to answer that, if my big ass could ever get in one of them cars and really do something, <laughs> I would want to race for the more progressive guy yeah, that's right. looking forward, looking to the future. Yeah. Right. You, you want to be a part of something that's got an upward trajectory, something that's growing. You're like, you want to be on the front end of something, and that's what we're trying to do. I mean, you know, this is I like a, this how he, is this, a, you, you saw what he just did there. He said, so that's what y'all doing? Yeah. <laughs> to the moon. Yeah, to the moon. <laughs> but you, you didn't catch that. Chain usually catch that. Yeah. I mean, he was really just talking about himself. Like, yo, yeah. no, we, 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 that's weirdest. Yeah, and that's, that's what he a, just said. And that's even, that's that old man stuff when they don't want any credit. You, you love that. Man, Justin knows he's the man. Let's be the man. Yeah. Like, why not? I will say this is the most um, transformative time in the history of this sport. Yes. Right? I mean, we got new cars. We have yep. new owners. We're coming up on a television renewal. We're going to new racetracks. We got diversity more than we've ever seen in the yep. top levels. We got all these things happening. Now is the moment to come in and put a stake in the ground as someone that embraces that change, can see the future, can see five, 10, 15 years down the line, go, I'm gonna build my business around that vision. Mm. I'm not gonna try to get revenue around this race shop I built 30 years ago that was state of the art 30 years ago, which isn't state of the art anymore. And that's, a, that's just, I'm lucky. Yeah. I mean, I'm lucky because I came in at this time with a clean slate mm -hmm. and I can say, how do we make moves right now motivated by our views and our visions of the future? Right. Of how to be the longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Discover why critics are calling Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes, the best film of the franchise. What a wonderful day! It's a jaw-dropping spectacle that demands to be seen on the biggest screen possible. I need to go. Hang on. It is our time. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes, now playing only in theaters. Tickets on sale now. Rated PG-13. Some material may be inappropriate for children under 13. Life is a highway. 
and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. The next great team in the sport. Is there any, you know, hate it would be called? The, the young and upcomer, the, when every sport changes, yep. when it goes to fun and gun, when it goes to small ball and NBA, yeah, you know, rules. And, yeah. like yeah. the rule, like the, the, the old Evolution. way of doing things. So you come in and you're being more, like we say, progressive. You're mm -hmm. looking towards the future. Is there any hate with that? Do you hear any rumblings in the back about, uh, it's Justin, he, 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 he messing stuff up? I haven't felt any of that. I mean, it's been important for me along the way from, from day one to always treat people with respect, to always do what I say I'm gonna do. If you do that every single day, then I don't have somebody, for someone to say something bad about me, they'd have to make it up. And so, you know, I think if you just live by that tenant, if you live by that principle, um, and, I'm try and I try to be very respectful. When I do these interviews, I, talk, I say things like I just said, that's not, that's not a slight towards the establishment. That's not, that's not me saying, that's no lack of respect for the guys that have been doing it for 20, 30 years. But you gotta be, you gotta adapt to changing times, you gotta change, and this is Trackhouse's opportunity. Right. This is Trackhouse's right. opportunity. And when these guys came in, these guys all came into the sport the same way. They were the young guys once. Mm -hmm. They were the young guys once that came in and did things differently. So I'm no different. It's just a, just a bit of a different game. You know, everybody that I worked with, I studied and tried to, try to see what they did well and not well mm -hmm. and learn something from it. You know, you've got these guys that try to build their, uh, build their empire through their race team. They try to build their career through their race team. And then you've got guys who are very, very successful in other industries and, and went, well, I'm gonna go play in NASCAR, right? Because they made some money, they liked the sport, they wanna be vested in it. And, and Harry was one of those guys. <laughs> he wants to play in NASCAR. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. The engine sounds amazing. He's a child yeah. when they crank the engines oh, up at the beginning of every race. That's all I know. He starts slapping my arm every time. I'm like, you knew what was about to happen, right? You're the kind of people we want. That's right. I'm the same way. I've always watched and paid attention to the people that I admire to learn from them. Always. It started with my grandfather when, when he was the first one to take me to a racetrack. He was a corn farmer in Iowa. And then my father, watching my father's business career, you know, watch him do amazing things growing up in Northern California in the technology industry and, and getting my education in my house growing up, watching him in business. In my house. And then coming in to racing and seeing people like Chip Ganassi that I raced for and Harry Scott and, you know, Tom Milner who owned the BMW factory team, my first job racing. You know, I, I just, I've tried to take something from everybody. I'll take something from this conversation right now. Right, right. Remember the moments we had on the show where it's like, that's it. You have the it factor, mm -hmm. right? And how old are you now? You're about 40. to turn 40, you're 40? Yeah. 40? Like you have it, right? So it's gonna be amazing to watch you over the next 15 years, 10, five years, mm -hmm. right? Like you have it, there's something special in you when it comes to ownership. And, and I know where Chan was going when he was like, you know, we said like, this is the owner that I would want to drive for. Mm -hmm. Cause we see that in, in football, right? Mm -hmm. Like we sit back and we were like, ah, oh, that owner over there, I, oh, I don't know if I want to go there. <laughs> wow. The way he's run his business the last 30 years, players know yeah, that, yeah. right? Yeah. And so it, I think it's something special that you guys have going over at Trackhouse. You know, well, let me uh, ask you a question. Yeah. In football, yeah. when you're coming up through the ranks and you got an eye on playing in the NFL, 
Are there owner personalities and certain types of owners where you go, I want to go play for that owner? Yeah. I want to go play for that guy. Maybe not that city, maybe not that quarterback, but I want to I want to play for Jerry or I want to play for Mark. So I would say, Chan, that when you're young and you're in high school and you're in college, you're just chasing the dream. Yep. You just want to get there. It doesn't even matter. Yep. I don't care how I get there, what team I suit up for. Well, you think about teams. You, re- you definitely do sure. think about teams, but you don't think about that. When you're a veteran, that's mm. when that kicks in. Mm-hmm. You're more seasoned. You sit back and you're like, ah, all right, this experience that I just had on this team in this locker room, ah, that was great. That wasn't great. You know, and then what, what happens in the sport is when we go to Super Bowls, when we go to the award shows and we get together, we always ask this question, right? Whether I'm sitting down talking to Peyton Manning or Adrian Peterson, Jerry Rice, how was this guy, right? Whether it's the owner, it's the player, we always ask that question as athletes. And then that shapes how we start having those conversations. You know? So it starts with ownership, right? Because it's culture. Now, right. there are some owners that are really involved. And I'm sort of talking in sports in general, right? But, it's like, right. but like there are owners that are really involved. And then there's the owners that you don't really ever see. They're up right. in the box, right? They're, they're doing the thing or whatever. Carts. But then you guys, the guys are in the trenches with you. That's right. Driving the culture, influencing the culture, whether you're, you know, working in the, like doing recovery for the athletes or you're the athletes themselves or marketing department or stadium services or like whatever it is. That's the owner that I want to be. That's right. That's the owner that I want to be. I want to be somebody that, that they go, I want to go work for Trackhouse because, because Justin is involved and he's supportive of everybody in the organization and he appreciates us and he's there for us. Okay, so in football, there's some owners that get too involved and they get in the way. There's diminishing right? Like we go to Cincinnati Bengals, he just gets involved a little bit too much, right? Yeah. He's there every single day, but he doesn't let his guys be the guys, meaning you hire the president, you hire the head coach, you yeah. have a defensive coordinator, offensive coordinator, and they want to put their hands on everything. So are you one of those owners where you don't micromanage? You don't micromanage? <laughs> no. no, I'm involved because I want to know what's happening on the shop floor. I want to know what people in the workforce are talking about and thinking about. What do they want? What do they need? But I'm also someone that that tries to hire and put the best people in their positions and then ask them if they need anything and then stand back. Right. That's what But I got to ask them if they need anything. I got I got to be involved with Right. Them. Right. My belief is that is that, you know, good ownership is present ownership. Right. Right? Good ownership is somebody that is there and is talking to people and is, and is, you know, involved in people's lives. And because the thing is, is with this new car coming to NASCAR, we, these teams are migrating from, you know, engineering and manufacturing companies, because we're not building the cars anymore, we're buying them, putting them together and going to the racetrack, into sports teams, into marketing companies and sports teams, where we were spending 50% of our money and our time and our bandwidth designing and building. Now that 50% becomes, you know, 15% assembling, putting the cars together and taking them to the racetrack. So you've just opened up 35% Mm. of bandwidth in your company. And to me, that opportunity in there is to build a team, to build a real team. Mm -hmm. We call them race teams, but they're racing manufacturing companies, but I want to build a team. And so to build a team, you have to know who your players are Mm -hmm. and you have to know their stories. You have to know what motivates them and you have to empower them and you have to give them the opportunity to be as successful as their dreams will allow. Right, right. And you, you kind of hit on hit it, hit it talking about you know awesome. mm-hmm. sports and looking at ownership and saying, do I want to play for that team? As a player, you look and see who that guy hires. 
Mm. Who that the, the Steelers, mm. three head coaches in 50 years or whatever yeah, it is. Yeah, you know right, what I'm saying? Right, Bill Belichick right. up in yeah. New England. Yep. They found the right guy yeah. to do that job right. so I don't have to micromanage. Right. You look at the sorry teams in the NFL and NBA, they're going through coaches name like them. this. Call them out. What's yeah. the cool. name? Give me a couple of <laughs> I start with my team. <laughs> the damn Miami Dolphins. Oh, oh, you call <laughs> they done been through coaches, the, the three offensive coordinators in three years. So why is that? Why do you think that is? Is it a culture issue? Is it hard to find people to buy in? Or is there nothing's concrete enough to buy into? Let, let me let me answer that, Chan, because you have a great relationship with the Miami Dolphins, and I don't want you to mess it up. Yeah. Oh no! Let, let me do it. Let me do it. <laughs> it starts with ownership. It starts yeah. with the top. Yeah. It's exactly what you're talking about. I love Mr. Ross. Mr. He's a giant in the real estate business. He's awesome, and he's he's also done some great things, right? And then there's some things that we we question as well, but he's not there every single day. Everything that you just talked about. And, and there's sometimes he gets in the way. Like, prime example is, I want Tua. When he could have had who? Uh, the kid from uh, Herbert, Justin, Justin Herbert, Herbert right? And, and it's okay if you know the game, but you don't know the game. You're not spending, you know, mm-hmm. countless hours, 15, 16 hours a day studying and breaking down tape on all collegiate quarterbacks. Mm. But your general manager is, and now you override him, yeah. right? That's a problem. And so it starts with ownership. So I, I just and want then, you to maintain oh no, your relationship. It's fine. Well, you know what? The Jets with the Johnsons. Oh, so you're going to put me in? Don't put me in. They're spot. not. You know, now you can call, I'm going to call you. You can call me out. Johnson and Johnson Brothers, one of them was a liaison for France or something. Ireland, yeah. Ireland or something like that. So he's an ambassador. Right. He's not right. around. So now right. his little brother had nothing to do with the team. And now he's yep. trying to run the team. But even whoever's running it, like, who owns the team? Is it Jerry Jones? Is it, is, right. it, is, it, is it the Roonies? Is it the, the Crafts or whatever it is? Those owners have to figure out who to put in place. If they have to be in the facility too much, when you go to the paint shop, do you have to tell somebody to buff this differently or use this type of paint? You just go to, to oversee the process. But if you have to go in there and nitpick a guy about a bumper, Whoever's in control yeah. of that bumper, bro, yeah. he's why, not, why'd you he's hire not him good. Anyway? Right, why did right, you get yeah. him? Right. And now, I, that would, I, would, I would say from athletes, you want to see a guy that knows how to put guys in place yep. more than yep. needs to come in and tell right. me how to, Channing, how to hit a track. Channing, Channing, you, you, let's bring it back to NASCAR. You're talking about the owners, but the, the, the crew members, the mechanics, they don't always go after the owners. Yes, you're the security and the paycheck and all of that, but... We do follow the drivers as well. If you have a driver that wins, you'll bypass whatever dysfunctional you have with a team for the fact that you can be in a position to win. Mm -hmm. So with NASCAR, you have the ability to attach yourself to a driver. But my opinion, I wouldn't tend to follow the team owner because the team owners, you know, NASCAR, there are differences, you know, but not in the top. The top five teams, you know, the, the, the Hendricks, the Penske's, you know, your Gibbs, they're, they're pretty close. In comparison, yeah. what sets those teams apart are the people and the drivers they have, the pit crews they have, the crew chiefs they have. So, you know, as a mechanic in this sport, you know, Justin doing what he's doing, you don't expect to see Justin Marks all the time, Rick Hendrick all the time in the race shop, but when you do, you get excited because you know that he's there, but at the same time, when you know you have a driver that can win a race every week, it's going to push you a little bit harder to get the turn so let me, so a little let, bit So tighter. let me ask you a question, Rocco, because you are a legend in this sport. Okay, first, they freaking got rules around you, the Rocco rule, <laughs> trying to take the tire, bounce the tire <laughs> you off. You can't do that. You can't do that, Rocco. You can't do that. So let me ask you a question. So, all right, you guys are following the drivers, but when you see an owner hands-on 
like Justin and doing it the right way, building a team, not a race team, you know, you think that will change the game? Well, that's the reason why every new race fan, especially black race fan who comes to the track, is going to gravitate towards his team. When they see the team at the track. First of all, he's got Courtney Edmonds and, and Lamar in his pit. You know, and those are beasts. You know, they, they just looked apart. The then their color schemes. Everything is just attractive to the, the branding, eye. the marketing. The branding, the marketing. Then you have Pitbull. So if I knew nothing about racing as a black man into the sport, and I'm trying to give it a, a free shot, I'm going to gravitate to your team, Justin. And from what I'm hearing and from what, you're, what we're seeing and everything that you're saying now, that's got to be uh, exciting as, as well yeah. as you have a big responsibility that yeah. you're being looked at by a new demographic and a new a possible fan base. A audience, yeah, you, know, audience. you are. Well, I, I will say to your point, I mean, you know, you control the variables that you can control, right? And there are some variables in the game or the race or whatever that you just can't control. Um, but you focus on controlling the things that you can. Winning cures a lot of ills. Yes. <laughs> I mean, it's like football. You, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. I mean, if you can win, you know, but the thing is, if, if the foundation underneath those wins isn't solid, because eventually you're going to stop winning, right? You're you going to need to figure out how to get back, right? Yeah. So if you, when you stop winning and those foundations aren't solid and that culture's not solid, it'd be hard, it, it's, there's real cracks so, in the armor. So Because, like, you're speaking my language now, right? Let's go back to business. I mean, I want to know what books you're reading. I want to know who you're <laughs> studying. And first, before you answer those, talk to me about ownership. What owners are you studying? Is it Robert Kraft? Is it the Roonies? You know, is it Joe Gibbs and yeah. racing? You know, talk to me about that because you're just different, bro. I mean, I have a lot of respect for Roger Penske. I have a lot of respect for Joe Gibbs. I have a lot of respect for Rick Hendrick. Besides studying those guys, I've got friends that work and have worked in those organizations. And I said, what's it like to be in that organization? Right? Mm. Were you happy there every day? Um, what would you do different? What would you do better? What's Mr. Hendrick like? How often do you see him? How often does he talk to you? Right. Um, those kinds of things. I mean, I read... <sighs> Man, I'm all over the board. But you're reading. I mean, I read philosophy, and then I'll put the philosophy book down and read Sports Business Journal. I read biographies. I mean, I just finished a book about the Comanche Indians in, in Oklahoma in, you know, 150 years ago, I'm all over the board. And I can read books like that and, and read stories about perseverance and about courage and about resilience. And there's, there's lessons in, in all right. that stuff. Right. Um, but I'm sort of just a student of success in any uh, form that it comes in. You know, I read about Elon Musk. Mm -hmm. I mean, I read about these guys and go, yep. Elon Musk, who's by all accounts is basically a total... Right. <laughs> but it's like, but is, is an incredibly right. visionary um, person and sees the world differently, yeah. right? Who, who starts a business and goes, ah, oh, you know what would be great? Let's try to get all the human race to Mars. Who does? Who right, thinks like right. that? I read about a guy like that and, and mm -hmm. then I pivot and I look at our sport and go like, what's Mars in our sport? Mm. What's taking people to mm. Mars in NASCAR? Yeah. And I think it's building a brand and a team that transcends the sport, that, right. that, that has a brand penetration into culture and entertainment and music and, and things like that, hence our partnership with, with Armando. And, and it's, you know, that's only the beginning. That's only the beginning for us. And, and this new car allows that opportunity like, it, like it's never had before, because I can take like that 35% that I was talking about that we were making cars with, now that's gone, I can take that 35% and go, how do we, how do we 
make Trackhouse a, a, a team and a brand that's that's relevant in music, right? Wow. And in other cultures mm -hmm. and all that. I mean, we, you know, that's Mars. Which, which is interesting because you always ask about the next gen that car. That was my you question. always <laughs> ask about the next yeah. gen car. Because Justin, but, I hit on it twice already. Right? Because, get into because it. it's like, all right, well, what's the difference now if it's if it stabilizes and it's you know the playing field's equal now, yep. right? So to me, just hearing you talk. It's like, okay, well, there's the driver aspect, but also you can gain leverage and create some space and have an edge in ownership. Well, it's to me, it's the people. Right. I mean, it really comes down to the people. This is the analogy that I use sometimes, and it, it, it'll work here. You know, if you've got all these NFL teams that have different amounts of money to spend, and then you've got one NFL team that's got more money than everybody else, and with that money, they can they have a whole engineering staff and they can engineer a football whose shape material weight color everything perfectly fits the quarterback that's playing for that team his hand fits perfectly in it given his arm and throwing mechanics they can engineer the ball to make sure that the release speed is right to make sure it spins right engineered perfect and no one else can have that ball. that's NASCAR and then you've got a team that doesn't have the money and can't really afford to do that well this next-gen car is the same ball for everybody because what we were doing is we were engineering and spending money on, on putting a superior product against our competition on the racetrack. Right, so we're right. playing with a ball that's better than everybody, right. or whoever it is at right, that time. Right, right. Well, now everybody's got the same ball. Right. So now success is like it is in any other sport where it's cohesiveness, teamwork, culture, support, talent. And that's, that's, what, that's what I believe. And I, mean. I know um, Trackhouse Pitbull is your partner yeah. and owner. Michael Jordan's with 23 over there with Bubba yep. Watson. What is a minority owner? Like, do they give you a check and back up? Is it sales? Well, like, what does that mean? Everybody's different. I don't know the 2311 deal. I only know our deal. And, and what's really great about our relationship with, with Armando is it was important for me from day one to, to associate with people that were passionate about racing, believed in what we were doing, that were in a totally different space, where we can bring them to NASCAR and they can bring our brand and our sport to their audience. I didn't want any element of this to be transactional. It was never going to be, okay, Singer X, you know, I'm going to pay you, you know, what, a million bucks a year and you're going to do this many social posts and you're going to talk about us in a song and, and it's a transaction. Never, ever going to be that. And it's not that way with Armando. We, we are truly partners in that we are, we are um, contributing assets to each other's careers and each other's platforms and businesses to help lift both of us up. Right. Let me ask you a question. Why are you saying Armando in that pit bull? <laughs> no, 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 because you read philosophy, you're, yes. you're a deep thinker. Because like, my relationship is with the man, <laughs> not the entertainer. I didn't know his real name. I ain't know either. <laughs> but he keeps <laughs> saying, we keep yeah. saying pit bull, the whole world yeah. know pit bull, pit bull. Yeah. And you keep saying Armando, yeah. Yeah. but break that down to me. <laughs> because he's not pit bull to me. He's my business, he's Armando Christian Perez, my business partner, our business partner at Trackhouse. And, and he's so much more than Pitbull. Mm -hmm. I mean, he's an investor, he's an entrepreneur, <laughs> he's a philanthropist, he's, I mean, he's, he's, in, he's, he's intelligent and he's industrious and he's driven and there's so much more than Fireball. I'm telling you, I, I have never, I have never been to a show quite like a pit bull show. It's amazing. We went to we went to his 
concert in Michigan <laughs> this year. I think it was his first one after COVID. And it was on the Michigan race weekend. He was in Detroit. And man, it was like 17,000 people, standing room only. They sold vision obscured tickets for 10 bucks. We couldn't even see the stage. <laughs> and it was just, and it was like noise and right, fog right. and energy. And we saw him after the show. I'm like, man, you just turned a 17,000 person outdoor <laughs> amphitheater into like a club <laughs> in Miami. It was awesome. Every, I couldn't, I was watching him, but I kept turning around and seeing the yeah, crowd. Yeah. Like, right, right. I mean, it's a real gift he's got. It's right. a real gift. And, and huh? Oh, all the time. <laughs> that's, how he, that's how he signs off every text and email. Dale. 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 Um, but you know, he's got this message of positivity and, and right. turning a negative to a positive. And that's, that's, and I hope we can talk about it, this, because an element of, of track house is, you know, being stewards of that message too, right. of positivity and giving voices to the unheard and, and taking this, this opportunity we've got in this sport and trying to make a difference in, you know, minority youth in America and, and try to, try to give educational opportunities to kids. And Armando's got this, uh, pit bull has, the, has, has these, uh, <laughs> slam schools that are sort of sports themed schools for kids to go to high school and create an opportunity for themselves that right. wouldn't necessarily, uh, be motivated by school. We've only begun the process of determining what our opportunity is to make a difference. Uh, and that's something that, that's sort of core to the DNA of Trackhouse. Right. I didn't want to put it out there that this was our mission and then try to just find something to announce and just and try to try to hit it right away. It's like, let's be authentic and, and intelligent um, and respectful about how we think about how to make a difference. Right. I mean, one of the things is that the crowd at NASCAR races looks a lot different these days mm. in a good way, mm, in right. a really, really good way. My father came to Phoenix <laughs> and made this comment to me on pit road. He's like, this, this crowd looks different. I mean, there's black people here, there's Latin people here, there's young people here, there's women here. That is proof that we're sort of moving as a sport in the right direction. I mean, Trackhouse next year is gonna have, well, right now has, has the most diverse pit crew in the sport. We got you know guys that played in the NFL. We got guys that played Major League Lacrosse, and it's amazing to see that because they've got these stories, and I want to mm -hmm. amplify these stories. Right. You know, and I never thought about that. I never really thought about that. I was just like, we got to win races and create opportunity for our sponsors. And in the spring of 2020, I was in the middle of thinking about how do we build something more than just racing, and what is that thing? And at the end of May, I turned on the TV after George Floyd, and I was like. I was like, there are people hurting, there are people that need help, and like, that's the mission. Like, we have to find a way to make a difference and to empower young people into, into just, even if it's just a little, even if it's one person, if we make a difference in one person's life, it's, it's, that's something that I, it's important to track us, and I always want it to be important to track us. Wow. That's something you're doing. That's something that's important. Those that's guys important. appreciate it that are to yeah. your teams. They wear your shirt and their crew shirts with pride. Yeah. They're happy to be there and it resonates. So, yeah. you know, I commend you on what you're doing just from the inside out, come, you know, in the sport that it's refreshing to see an owner and a team with such a forward thinking and open mind and an excitement about them and an edginess about them where it makes it cool to be a part of this sport. Yeah. So you're doing a good job Thank with you. that. And uh, I think the last thing I'll say really is, is, you know, when I think about the future, we've talked a lot about disruption and we talked about new ideas and change and the future and, and everything. I mean, you know, NASCAR has been a sport that has had a very specific type of fan and, 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 and it's had a very specific geographical footprint. NASCAR is a sport that can be for everybody. Mm -hmm. I believe that. And, and that's what I like about the new car because we can start being sports and marketing organizations. We can start investing that 35% in, in philanthropy and outreach and try to create, wow. get disruptive and um, in different things. And, and 
Where I would like to see NASCAR is I would like to see NASCAR uh, on an equal footing with, you know, as many other sports as far as cultural relevance mm -hmm. as possible. Mm -hmm. Right? I mean, like the NBA penetrates wow. all the different cultures and there's you know, these guys are LeBron James is a brand and the shoes are brands, you know, and, and NASCAR, I think, has that opportunity. But we all need to we all need to recognize that opportunity mm -hmm. and, and all be pushing cohesively in that direction with NASCAR support. And so hopefully we're a part of that for a long time. Give give me one book I need to read. One book that you need to read. I am a sucker for adventure, mm. and it's not a book that's a business book or anything anything like that. But I've read it three times in my life. There was a book called Alive that was written in 1973 by Pierre's Paul Reed, and it was turned into a movie later yes, about a, about a sheets. rugby about a rugby team <laughs> that crashed. They did. Well, here's the thing. It, it's it's about He's a. He's talking about philosophy. philosophy. Yeah. It's scarred yeah. me for life. Yeah. Yeah. Justin talking philosophy. I was in Rocco talking about eating booty. Tell Justin. Tell Justin. It was, frozen. it was frozen booty. <laughs> <laughs> I can't make this the important up. message in the book is you know this was a, this was a rugby team, it was a team of athletes that crashed their plane in the Andes Mountains and they were lost and they had a transistor radio and they were listening to news broadcast of the search and they searched for them for like three weeks and they came on the the radio and they said they've called off the search they're all dead and they weren't. They all decided that we have to save ourselves. Mm -hmm. And with hardly any food and with any climbing equipment or anything like that, two of those guys climbed out of the Andes Mountains themselves, found a rancher, found the police, got helicopters, came back to the mountain and saved everybody's life. And to me, I read that book every couple years because to me it's inspiring in just how far somebody can go and how much fight somebody can have. So we have bad days, we think about how badly we want something. That's one something. Wow. You touch on the booty. What Justin Morgan. You touched on it, please. <laughs> the philosopher. <laughs> the I see, I seen the movie. The booty cheek eater. <laughs> <laughs>